you could open your Bibles up to the book of Colossians, we're going to be looking in chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, excuse me, 9 through 14. It's a prayer that Paul prays for the Colossian church. So turn to that and we'll be looking at that in just a moment. Well, it's November, second week of November, as we all know. And that means the holidays are around the corner. And for many families, holiday traditions are a part of that. And my family is in that group. One of the traditions we have are seeing classic movies together. For example, Thanksgiving, we see It's a Wonderful Life. Christmas, we see Miracle on 34th Street, typically the 1994 version. But each year, I have another classic that I suggest that we watch, and that's The Sound of Music. I like musicals, and I feel like this is the best one. But we've seen it so many times over the years, I usually get outvoted. But I do want to bring you an illustration from that musical. If you've not seen the film, it's set in the late 1930s, pre-World War II, in Austria. And the actress, Julie Andrews, is a nun at an abbey who leaves that position to go serve a German naval officer and be a nanny for his seven children. So on the way, as she's skipping along and has her guitar in her hand, she's singing, I have confidence. She's trying, it's a musical, so she's trying to build her faith and her confidence and the ability to do something she's never done before. And the last line of that, song is what I want to draw your attention to. She says, I have confidence in confidence alone. Besides what you see, I have confidence in me. Some of you are probably singing that even as I said it. <clears throat> I spared you and not saying it myself. But if we look at that, we can see where her confidence is for what she's about to do that she's never done before. It's in her. In our passage today, Paul begins his letter to these Colossians by praying for the church there, a church he's never visited, Christians he's never met, but he writes this letter to encourage them to build their confidence in their ability to live this new Christian life. Unlike Julie Andrews, whose confidence was in herself, we're going to see how Paul instills in them the focus of their confidence. In verse 7, we can see that a man by the name of Epaphras, probably a convert of Paul, was the one who brought the gospel to Colossae. Again, Paul had never been there, but he records this prayer for them in his letter, his letter sent to encourage them. And this letter helps them to see that they can have confidence for godly living. That confidence is found in God, not in themselves. By reminding them of who they are in Christ and what Christ has done for them, they can approach whatever is before them in confident faith that, yes, they can live these new lives for Christ. They can trust God for his grace to live their lives in a God-glorifying way, regardless of what lies ahead for them. 
So how can Paul pray for them with such confidence? People he doesn't even know. Because his confidence is not in the people. His confidence is in God as well. And his prayer reminds them of the ongoing, powerful work of Christ in their lives. You see, as Julie Andrews saying, besides what you see, I have confidence in me, Paul is saying to these Christians that they can trust and they can say, besides what you see, regular people, new Christians, struggling believers, besides what you see, have confidence because Christ is in me. That's the source of confident power. So let's look at this passage together. Beginning in verse 9, chapter 1. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience, with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share Excuse me, lost my place. Qualify us to share in, there we go, found it. In the inheritance of the saints in light, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. What a wonderful prayer. Let me pray for us as we delve into his scripture. Father, thank you for this prayer. Thank you for Paul's heart for the Colossians and help us to see your heart for us in it. And Lord, I pray for myself as I'm privileged to preach your word, that your word, the truth of your word, is what is left with the church. I pray your grace be able to communicate clearly and effectively and honor you. Lord, thank you for the avenue of prayer. Thank you for the example of these Christians in Colossae. Father, help us here in Gilbert to live in a manner worthy of the Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. I have two points through these verses today. One is all Christians responded to the same gospel. All Christians responded to the same gospel. The second point is all Christians are strengthened with the same power. So let's look at the first point. Paul prays confidently for the Colossian Christians. As Paul expresses his prayer for them, it tells them and us where his confidence lies. It lies in the work of Christ seen in the, their genuine response to the gospel. If we go up three verses to verse 6, we're going to see it say this. The gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So you see, that was the beginning point. 
where they heard and responded to the gospel, their hearts were regenerated, and they began this new life. That's the power at work. That's where their confidence should lie. Since the gospel has come to the Colossae and they genuinely respond to it, it's already bearing fruit in their lives of these young believers. Paul's statement really is astounding. He's saying in verse 6 that the gospel is bearing fruit wherever the message of Christ is shared and received, even throughout the whole world. And this is not because of who they are, but because of who Christ is. And Paul's wanting them to see that. In the prayer of Paul for the Colossian church, we see his encouragement that this powerful work of Christ is at work in them as it is wherever the gospel has gone. If you're a Christian this morning, here, this powerful work is at work in you, bearing fruit in you. So let's continue. All who have responded to the good news of the gospel are indeed growing and becoming more like Christ. And Paul reminds them of this before he begins to pray for them. In this prayer, Paul says that he's been interceding for the church since they heard that the gospel came to them. In his prayer, he begins by directing them to God, by asking for God to give them an understanding of his will so that they might live their lives for God, filled with the knowledge of his will. Verses 9 and 10, And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you. What commitment. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. You see, through the work of Christ in them, with a regenerated heart leading their desires and their choices, they will bear godly fruit in their lives. Paul is saying that this godly fruit is to extend to every good work. Every aspect of their lives, every role of responsibility or job should be affected by the desire to live for Christ. As they walk out their lives with a goal to please God, they will deepen or grow in their relationship with God. But again, how could Paul have the confidence that they could live the way he's praying for them? Well, I think we drop to verses 12 to 14 to see what Paul thinks the Lord for because it's an expression of what God has done. If we look at that, it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Let's look at that. Sometimes when we read Scripture, we can read it so quickly. What is it saying to us? See, he's telling these new believers, give thanks to the Father, the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. You haven't qualified yourself. No, the Father has qualified you, first of all, Second of all, he has delivered you from the domain of darkness. You haven't delivered yourselves. God, God, this God that, this God that called you, that the gospel of grace came to you from, this gospel, has, this God has delivered you from the domain of darkness and didn't leave you neutral and transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son. 
So God qualified you. He delivered you. He transferred you to the kingdom of God. Where? What's there? Where there is redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So God qualified you. God delivered you. God transferred you. God redeemed you. God forgave you. You did not qualify yourself. This is Christ at work in you. You did not deliver yourself. God delivered you. You didn't transfer yourself into his kingdom. God transferred you. You're redeemed. You didn't redeem yourself. Through the work of Christ, you've been redeemed and forgiven of all your sin. You see how Paul's saying, give, give thanks to the Lord for this. It's true for you. Because of this, because of what God has done, because of who Christ or who you are in Christ, you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. This is the work He's begun. This is the work He's done in you. Walk it out. But then He just doesn't leave them there. We have this amazing verse, verse 11. Let's look at that together. And this second point, all Christians are strengthened with the same power. Paul refers to the walk, the Christian life as a walk. With this request, Colossians, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Knowing that Christian life is not easy, Paul pins from the Holy Spirit this verse 11, a startling verse. that's structured in an unexpected way. He says, being strengthened with all power. Again, being strengthened is something that's happening to you. It's not, you're not strengthening yourself. Being strengthened with all power. This is not strengthening we can do to ourselves, but one that's being done to us. Something that's made possible because we're in Christ. Yes, Paul is praying that they walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, but he wants them to see that the daily walk is not something that we're called to do on our own, that God gives strength to do what he calls us to do. This, being strengthened, the present tense, means it's an ongoing way. It's not just a one-time infusion. This, this is a continual experience with God being strengthened with what? All power. Not just a little bit. All power. But then he goes on to have this amazing phrase, according to his glorious might. Not according to your ability, not according to how much you have in your own strength, not according to how long you've been a Christian. No. Strengthened, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might that, that's immeasurable, that is unlimited, that's divine, according to his glorious might, the might that created the universe, that set the stars in space, that formed the mountains, that parted the Red Sea, that healed the sick and raised the dead. That power is given. You have access to that power to live the Christian life because you're in Christ. The power for godly living. But then what follows that phrase can be even more surprising. How would you finish that sentence? 
strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for what? For evangelism, for healing the sick, for spiritual leadership, for ministry endeavors, for evangelistic efforts, for preaching, for parenting, for success in business. No. For all endurance and patience. For all endurance and patience. Of all the things that Paul could have prayed that we would have power to accomplish, for him to say endurance and patience is telling. And for all endurance and patience, not just some, but all, we're given this access to his power, and here it is stated for endurance and patience. But think, as I listed those different things, or what other things might have come to your mind as far as why didn't Paul say that? When he says endurance and patience, the reality is endurance and patience touches every aspect of our lives. What do we not have to endure, wait for? What do we not need patience for? But God gives us this, strengthens us through his power. There's not one part of our daily life that doesn't draw on the need for endurance and patience. This prayer brings hope to whatever and wherever we're challenged. Hope that regardless of the challenges in our Christian walk, we have Christ, in Christ, the resource to overcome and to endure. In each and every difficulty we face, we have confidence we can endure because of Christ. We can go forward because of what Christ has said. If we realize that not only can we endure, but we can endure with patience. It sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? Here we're told that since we responded to the gospel, and we're now in Christ, and therefore have access to the unlimited source of power to strengthen us, not just some, but all endurance and patience, if you're a Christian, then you can endure what's in your life and what's coming into your life because the power or strength for us to endure the challenging and difficult circumstances is found in God and not in us. God's unlimited strength is provided for the believer. Supernatural power is a request from Paul for us to experience power for living every day of our normal lives. Yes, simply live a normal Christian life in our pagan world, what do we need more than endurance and patience? You see, the Colossians had their own set of first century challenges. We have our own need for endurance and patience in 2020. It's been quite a year. We've had to endure quite a lot. We've had to be, <coughs> excuse me, patient in so much. But can you see that God gives us this divine access to be able to approach what comes with all endurance and all patience? You see, we've, we've come from smaller inconveniences like toilet paper shortages to larger concerns like our COVID numbers increasing. And now a contested election 
with confusing results and the uncertain aftermath. How do we think about that when the future is unclear? But what is clear is that God has given us power to live in it in a way that would be characterized as endurance and patience so that a watching world out there can see a difference in Christians because we are in Christ and we have hope and we have an ability to depend upon power outside of us to live in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. As Paul's praying for them, to walk in a manner pleasing, pleasing him in every respect, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. Just because we're in this difficult area with COVID, challenging 2020, and the horizon is murky, we can approach it as Paul prays for the Colossians with power, all power, for endurance and patience, with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom there is redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See where the focus needs to be. As we set our hope on God, we can respond with endurance and patience. How we respond with our hope set outside of us and outside of our circumstances draws attention to where our hope lies. On the one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let me end with some words from this famous hymn. How firm a foundation. It says, Fear not, I am with thee. Oh, be not dismayed. For I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. That soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no never, no never forsake. That's the heart of God. That's the Christ in you. We can endure, church, and we can bring glory to God in the midst of our patient endurance. Please pray with me. Father, as we come before you, Lord, we ask your grace. Lord, I pray this prayer for us here at Center Church. I pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of his will, the knowledge of your will, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, may we all walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in our knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to your glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And Lord, thank you for this. You have delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of your beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin.
So, Father, we ask your blessing. We thank you for your grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.